It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Westside. We are glad that you're here today. And if it's your first time here or if you've carried over from Easter at the Rogers, how was Easter at the Rogers? Did you guys have a fun time with that? Yeah, man. It was an incredible time, and, and we like to say here that uh, we celebrate like that every Sunday, maybe minus the confetti cannons, but I don't know, maybe we need to keep doing that, you know? And so we celebrate that Jesus is alive and well. And today, if, uh, if it's your first time here, is a very special day for our congregation. We are honoring Pastor Tyler and Kayla in their new season, and the word that just sort of keeps popping up is transition. And so this Sunday is their last Sunday with us. And so we've got a lot of things sort of in store to honor them. And one of them um, is a video that's been put together from board members to worship team members to people who have worked along beside them over these past seven and a half years. Um, the original video, guys, was um, I got a call and they were like, hey, uh, this video's 22 minutes long. And I think that's a testament for the amount of people that wanted to say something and speak. And so this is a condensed version and we're going to give you the full version. But without further ado, check this out. Tyler and Kayla, this is truly not a goodbye, but just sending you into the next season and chapter of your lives with your family. Um, thank you so much. It's with gratitude that I've got to spend three years with you, getting to know you, worshiping with you, serving with you, and what a blessing it has been. You have truly loved me from the get-go and I have loved you. I am so thankful that I get this opportunity to, to tell you how much I love you and appreciate you and of all the adventures we've already been through together. You are like family to me. Tyler and Kayla, you guys have been a big part of my spiritual journey here at Westside. I, uh, I felt like I was, I was just beginning to come into the, the existence here and I got to know you guys within my heart and I love you guys both just so much um and to say oh, I'll miss you it would be a huge understatement Tyler Kayla kids um, we don't know a west side uh, without you and it's going to be a transition uh, really happy for you and uh, best blessings on uh, the rest of your future and uh, we love you and we're gonna miss you and I could ditto that Tyler Kayla you guys and your kids I can't I don't think there's words to describe how much you guys mean to us Kayla you've been such a huge asset to Westside women 
and we are really going to miss what you bring to the team. From your wisdom to your gifts that you know I don't have, just um, all the time we spent together, late night Jimmy John's and all the memories. Yeah, we're really gonna miss your leadership and just how you've mentored us as new leaders coming in and we're so grateful for how you poured into us um, and just we're sad to have you leave, but we're so excited for what you're going to get with your family in Colorado. Um, but we're just so grateful for what you have left us here at Westside with. So thank you. Thanks. Tyler, I just want to say thanks, man, uh, for opening your house to me, uh, your family, follow, for letting me uh, just get to meet Jesse and Ethan, get a hug every morning, just inviting me over for lunch. And just the times that we talked, just being able to get some of your wisdom. I thank you, Tyler. You're awesome. Love you. Hey Tyler, just want to tell you how much uh, Vicki and I are going to miss you and Kayla, how much you guys have meant to us here at the church. I appreciate how you've uh, just got a congregation going from talking to each other to all of a sudden worshiping the Lord and getting everybody together and uh, just loving God and, and serving Him. And I'm just thankful for how you worked with Jason and uh, that smooth interaction you guys had is it's going to be missed. Hey Tyler and Kayla, I just wanted to uh, say that me and my wife Really appreciate both of you guys on how real and uh, loving you guys are. We're going to miss you guys terribly, but we've already talked that we're going to come and see you. Um, just your your faith in, is very inspiring to me and my wife. We haven't been here for very long, but we just really appreciate how uh, genuine you guys are. We love your kids, and we just pray that you have safe travels. Tyler and Kayla and Jesse Ray, Ethan, and... Eden. We're going to miss you guys so much. Thank you for being such an integral part of Westside. Um, Tyler, um, we have appreciated your um, employment here at Westside. You've done great things. Um, Kayla, wow, with Westside Women, um, you gave birth to that as well, not just your three children. <laughs> so we love you and we're going to miss you. Thanks and keep in touch. Tyler and Kayla, here we are. Um, Y'all shared the news that y'all are leaving, and of course, just want to wish y'all luck as y'all travel back um, to Colorado and um, I guess continue your lives out there. Um, we're going to really miss you guys. Hey, Tyler and Kayla. Uh, I just think back about how much you guys have done over the last several years, and it blows me away. I remember the very first Christmas Eve service that you guys stepped in, led worship, and how amazing it was. And I remember Jason coming back saying, we have got to have them. Kayla and Tyler, we're so thankful for you guys and your family. Uh, your dedication and love for Westside and the worship team have helped us become who we are today. We wish you many blessings and, and safe travels in your next journey of life. And uh, we hope that we can stay in touch. And uh, we love you so much and we thank you. Blessings. Tyler and Kayla, we just want to say that uh, the Neelys love you guys. Um, we're just so thankful for the friendship that we've had with you guys throughout the past seven years of knowing you. It's just flown by, but um, thank you for your friendship um, and thank you for your leadership. Um, these past seven years, I feel like I've learned so much from you guys of what it looks like to lead and to lead well um, in worship and love other people well. So thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your service to Westside. We're really gonna miss you guys. You guys have been such um, core people here at Westside in our lives and we love you guys and um, we're excited for your next journey even though we're gonna miss you a lot. <laughs> we love you, Jesse, Eden, and Ethan. Kayla and Tyler, I just wanna thank you guys for spending this season of life with us. 
Um, we've been blessed to have you in Poplar Bluff and blessed to have you at Westside. We got to watch your family grow and watch you individually grow. Kayla, you're such an asset to this church with women's ministry and your wisdom. Tyler, you are as well, and you're just so encouraging. Um, got to watch your family grow and you've got to watch our family grow. And for that, we're just thankful. We're gonna miss you and we love you so much, but we're excited to see all the things God does to you and through you in Colorado. Hey, Tyler and Kayla. Um, got to know you, um, Kayla, at um, Bible study. And I really enjoyed getting to know you. I am going to miss you very much. Kayla, it's evident by the video and the amount of people that you guys are truly loved and cared for with your family. There really isn't enough time. Uh, the video would be three hours long for every single person whose life has been impacted by you both. Tyler, there's so many memories, man, that come to my mind over these past years. From 6 a.m. Uh, donut house meetings, um, there's one that stands out in my mind when I think about our time spent together on staff. And when we were planning the very first Easter, and I expressed to you what was on my heart about Easter at the Coliseum, and you said, man, let's just go up there. Let's just see what they have to say. And we went up there and we toured the facility. And I'll never forget right before we left, um, you and I knelt down in the middle of the Coliseum floor. And we just prayed and we just asked God if it was his will for us to hold Easter there that he would. And to see the impact that you've had on this church and on my life personally, that's just one of many stories. We love you guys and our prayer for you is that the Lord would bless you and keep you and that his face would shine upon you both and your family. We love you guys. Blessings. Come on, come on, come on. Tyler and Caitlin, why don't you guys come up here? Thank you. Uh, I thought I was too dehydrated from the last slide. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> too many tears no we just we know we're going to good things but we love each and every one of you and we're leaving behind a very very good thing and that's all of you guys and so we love you and you'll be missed yeah we want to uh, present a couple things to you guys um, this is a certificate of faithful gospel ministry and it says that this certificate certifies that the bearer, Tyler and Kayla Saxton, are members in good standing of Westside Church, 
This certifies that Tyler and Kayla Saxon have served faithfully for seven years as ministers of the gospel, fulfilling both the great commandment to go and make disciples of all nations and the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Popper Bluff, Missouri, through Westside Church, this certifies that the leadership and congregation are deeply grateful and appreciative for your dedication and your service. And it's signed by the board here. And so we want to present this to you guys along with a gift um, as well to help you guys with the expenses and everything for travel. And if I would, have the board members come right now and surround. And anybody else that loves them and wants to surround them and lay hands on them and pray for them, we would do that. If you want to stay right where you're at, you can stretch your hand out this direction just in a sign of faith to love them and pray for them in this next season. Heavenly Father God, we are so grateful for the time and for the gift that you have given us for the Saxton family. God, to see their leadership and to see Jesus, you working through them over these past years has been nothing short of a blessing for this church. They built and established a ministry that points to you, Jesus. Not only that, they have impacted lives, they have served, they have built relationships here. God, they are loved and they are family. God, we pray for Tyler and Kayla in this season that you would bless them, that you would guide them, that you would protect them, that they would continue to expand the kingdom of God and everything that they have learned and been equipped with, that they would establish, develop, and deploy there in Colorado. God, we pray for their children, that you would guard their hearts and minds during this season, and that this season, when they look upon it in their life, is a sweet season of memories that they would have together. God, we pray for this church, that you would lead us and guide us in this transition season as well. And at the end of the day, we are so thankful for gospel goodbyes, because the mission continues and as, th as this man and this woman continue their mission in Colorado, we pray that you would lead them and guide them. And we pray all of these things in the precious and in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Can you guys give it up for Tyler and Kayla this morning? I was fine this morning, man. And Jessie Ray caught me and she said, this is my last Sunday. And I was like, goodness gracious, Jessie Ray. Um, hey, listen, there's a hymnal out there that um, we want everybody to sign. Miss Frida did something great. She found her favorite hymn and wrote a note on that favorite hymn. So you don't just have to sign the cover. Please go through that hymnal, sign that. There's also going to be lemonade and cookies out there in the lobby after service so you can spend time. Bless them. There's cards for a basket. There's all of that stuff. We want to send them off well. Um, really quickly this morning, I just want to sort of guide this time that we have together. And there's a word um, that's been popping up over and over, and it is the word transition. 
Um, and the Oxford English Dictionary defines the word um, transition as this. A transition is the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. That's the definition of a transition. And I did a little bit of research to see, on average, um, how many transitions does the average person sort of go through in their life? And it's really interesting when you look at common transitions. The average person has 12 jobs in their lifetime. The average person moves about 11 times in their lifetime. And the average person has two serious relationships before marriage. And so if you're dating in here today, you're like, am I number two? Am I, right? Um, transitions are a very common thing that we go through. And, and there's an important distinction to know. Um, a transition is different from change. And, and there's an author by the name of William Bridges who has written a fantastic book about transitions. And in it, he says this. It isn't the changes that do you in. It's the transitions. Change is not the same as transition. You see, change is situational. The new site, the new boss, the new team roles, the new policy. A transition, however, is the psychological process people go through to come to terms with the new situation. Change is external. Transition is internal. And I think that's good language to distinguish the difference of a change in transition. And William Bridges, in his book, says you can sort of map out a transition with three sort of big movements or phases. There is what he calls endings. And he says there, there is no such thing as a new beginning without endings. So there's endings, and then there's a neutral zone. There's, there's sort of a lot of unknown, and then there is a time of new beginnings. And this sort of maps out his book, and, and there's a number of things under each one of those. And in Acts chapter 1, this is exactly what we see. We see that Jesus has risen from the dead and he has spent 40 days with his disciples. A lot of people forget that. They think that the resurrection happened and then it was the ascension. No, no, no. There were 40 days where Jesus was appearing to people. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, man, if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, you can go up the street, turn left, there's a big blue tractor, and the house, uh, Bill lives there in that house, and you can ask Bill about it. Because he appeared, I mean, he appeared to so many, 500 people, the Apostle Paul says. And then he ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Now, think about if you were the disciples. You have spent every single day with this man for three years, maybe a little bit more, give or take. You have ate every meal with this man. You have this man has provided for you your purpose, your mission, your schedule, your meals, um, your money, your fine, all of those things for three years. And then you see him unjustly arrested 
And then he is murdered and crucified. And you think they're coming for you next. And then he rises from the dead. I mean, that's an emotional roller coaster. I'm sure at some point the disciples were like, Jesus, please give us a break. Okay, there's a lot going on. And then for 40 days he appears. And then Jesus tells them to wait and he ascends into heaven. What we see in Acts chapter 1 is the season of transition. And if I could just say this, not just Tyler and Kayla's transition and our church's transition, but as I have coffee and we live life together, you would be shocked to know what is going on with just the people in this room. What I've learned over these past couple of years as I interact with people is you have no idea what each person is going through in their life. And the odds are is that you find yourself in some sort of season of transition. And here's the question we always have. What do we do? What's next? The anxiety is a little bit high. The unknown is everywhere. What do we do in seasons of transition? And really quickly, I think in this text, God has four things for us that will help guide you in your season of transition. What do you do in a season of transition when things are coming to an end, there is sort of the unknown, and there's new beginnings on the horizon? The first thing that I think you do is this. You do what you were last told. (laughs) You do what you were last told. Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them, huge word in the original language, Um, This is not like a suggestion. This is not Simon Says. This is a command. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, that's the antithesis of what they wanted to do. Because if all of this is going on in Jerusalem, and it's illegal to say that Jesus is the Son of God, where do you think the Roman government is coming first? To Jerusalem. These guys wanted to scatter, but Jesus commanded them to stay. And actually, this is not a new command. We see at the end of Luke's gospel that Jesus commanded them to do these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Here it is. But stay in the city until you are clothed, typo, with power from on high. This is the tension. They want to move, they want to do something in a season of what's next, what's next, what's next, what am I supposed to do, what's next, what's next. Jesus just simply says, continue to do what I've told you to do. Um, I'll never forget that uh, my graduating class, I moved my junior year up to Columbia, but in Kennett, my graduating class, there were a number of young men, like five or six, that actually went into the Marines. And so it was a huge deal in the town. Uh, The entire town had a send-off for them. And and these guys were my close friends. I found the picture from the DAR. That's them right there. And the fact that they were going into the Marines, I was like, dude, are they going to pull y'all's record? Like, can can you guys actually be Marines? And so they come back um, from boot camp, and I'll never forget them telling me this one story. They were hiking um, through a valley and it was an exercise. 
Unbeknownst to them, it was a special operative exercise. They were told that they were going to hike a certain number of miles, then they would wait and get their instructions as to what they were to do next. But unbeknownst to them, it was special operative and it was a test. Because when they were hiking and they stopped for camp, they were supposed to receive their instructions. But the commanders purposefully disconnected contact from them. And this was a training exercise to see that if in the field you were to lose contact, you need to know what to do because those are life and death decisions. And they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. They waited two days and camped out, had to learn how to survive, do all of that stuff, and then they received their instructions. And I'll never forget, when they were telling me that story, I was like, man, did you guys just like not go to back to base camp or like try to figure something? I mean, that was, you guys had to be nervous, and I'll never forget, one of my friends looked at me and said, dude, we are property of the United States government. We can't just like do what we want. And then they said, one of the things they constantly drill into our heads is, you only do what you are told. You do what you are told. And when I was reading that, and the Lord brought that story back to my mind, I believe that's a a lot like some of us in a season of transition. You see things that are a little bit foggy and hazy on the horizon. And what we tend to do is that consumes our hearts and minds. But what we have forgotten is that God still has a mission and purpose for our life. And so if I were to have a cup of coffee with you and help you discern this season in your life, one of the things that I would say is this. What has God last told you to do? What has God last told you to do? Keep doing that. Or here's the sentence. In a season of transition, when you don't know what to do, do the last thing that Jesus has told you to do. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. And to continue in the ministry that God has given you. Because here's what happens. We get all anxious about this term. You ready for this? God's will. Right? And, and, And here's what we've done. We've made God's will to be a fairy unicorn that's at like the end of rainbows that's absolutely impossible to find or decipher or figure out. And we're like, I just want to know God's will, pastor. Should I buy the vehicle or should I not? I just want to know. And, and like we make God's will to be this massively complicated thing. Um, listen, here, here's a massively comforting sentence for you. God's will for your life is that you would live God's way as revealed in God's word. Right? Isn't it crazy to think that God's will for your life is that you would live God's way as revealed in God's word? Because listen, God's word is the parameter for our decision-making processes. And guess what? God wants you to make choices. 
God wants to partner with you. So in a season when you don't know what to do, please listen to me. Continue being faithful in the thing that God has last told you to do. Continue to love your family. Continue to work that job. Continue to read that Bible and stay faithful with what God has for you. The second thing is this, and you'll hate this. You ready? Um, Wait. Wait. Continue to do what God last told you to do, and then wait. And it's, it's right there in the text. But to, hey, let's, let's do this. Can you say it with me even through grinned teeth? You ready? Here we go. But to, wait. for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. Do what God told you last to do, and then wait, wait. Um, What's interesting, what William Bridges talks about is he said that in the three movements of a transition, in endings and the neutral zone and new beginnings, do you know where um, the worst decisions are always made? In the neutral zone. In the neutral zone. Oftentimes, fear and anxiety sit in the driver's seat and we become reactive. Do you know what I believe that one of the greatest temptations that the enemy has is applying pressure? And here's what I mean. The enemy would love for you to feel so pressured into make a decision. It's either A or B, A or B, A or B. You better hurry up. You got to do it. Time's waning, this, that, or the other. And the reality is, um, we like to say it uh, like this here at Westside. God rules the universe with his feet up. Okay? God's not like concerned. God doesn't drive an ambulance. God's never said uh-oh or any of those things. And when you are feeling the pressure A or B, A or B, A or B, A or B, God is over here going, I have B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I can do the whole thing, guys. I went to public school. Okay, I can do this whole thing, right? The reality is, is to wait and to see what God is doing. And, and when we're waiting, here the fear arises. But this is a promise that he has in the verse. He says, wait, because the Holy Spirit is coming. Which tells me this. Where God guides, he always provides. Please listen to me. Where God guides you, he always provides for you. So it's not, are we going to have, is this going to happen? The reality is, is can we wait to see the provision of God come true within our lives? But this is important because for some of you, when you hear me say, wait, you're like, amen, I tell, you know, I tell her all the time, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll work itself out. It'll be, well, listen, just calm down for a second, okay? Um, Waiting is not a passive act. Okay? Translation. Waiting does not mean doing nothing. Right? So, pastor, I'm I'm praying for a job. Praise God. We're going to pray with you, pray for you. How many resumes have you sent out? How many job applications? Are you beating the street out there? What are you doing? 
or I need help with this, fantastic. Let's send these um, flares out and see if we can get help. But in the meantime, what else are we doing? Waiting is not a passive act. Waiting is where we get to apply wisdom. And if I could, here are three questions that you can ask yourself about any transition and situation that you can be working while you wait. So if you, listen, these questions are gold for you today. If you're in a season of transition and you are doing what God last told you to do and you are in that neutral zone and you're waiting for what God has next, the first question is this. Have I gathered all the information needed to make a decision? Have I gathered all the information? Um, like, I think it's massively... Proverbs says that one man seems right until the second man comes and states his case. That's where we get there's two sides to every story. And so oftentimes I'll hear in transitions, oh man, it's, you know, this job is going to be great. I mean, I've got 90 days paid vacation and I'm, you know, all of, and it's just all of this stuff. And it's like, I mean, have you talked to anybody else that works in the company? No, no, man, I think it's going to be, you know, there is information that we can gather. We can apply wisdom in our life. The second question is this. Have I soaked this transition in prayer or just sprinkled it in prayer? There is a big difference in those two things. Oftentimes, we'll sort of do a Hail Mary, God, please let this happen, and then boom, we get to work, and we put our head and shoulder down, and we try to strive forward. But the reality is, is soaking this in prayer. What were the disciples doing in the room? They were literally praying like their lives depended on it. Have you soaked it in prayer or are you just sort of sprinkling in prayer so then you don't feel like you have a guilty conscience anymore? But the last question is this. Have I pursued godly, wise counsel from a neutral third party? This is massively important. Listen, God doesn't want you to be alone in this season. So the godly friends who have wisdom and discernment that you have seen in your life, that you're in group with, or those types of things. And the most important phrase is a neutral third party. Somebody who does not have, like, can I just break this down? Like, don't call your mom. Okay, like, I mean, you can call your mom and you can inform her and that's great and that's awesome and say, hey, mom, be praying. But you know what your mom's going to say? Well, babe, you can do anything you set your mind to. <laughs> I, of course you can be a rocket scientist, honey. I love, you know what I'm saying? It is a neutral third party that can speak truth into your life. Do what you were last told to do. Wait. And then this. Be aware of your own personal bias. Okay, this is, this is where we have to do some pretty intense work here. Look at what the disciples say. So when they had come together, they asked him, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you know what that is? That is a political statement, is what that is. And you know, the people in the Bible were so much more advanced than them back in those days, right? Right? Do you know what they were hoping for? 
They were hoping that this was the moment that Jesus would overthrow the Roman government, draw the sword, and then justice would be served. And they were ready for it. And they wanted the details. They wanted the time, the, the date, the, all of those types of things. And look at Jesus' response. And he said to them, uh-uh. It's in the Greek. It's right before it is. Um, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed with his own authority. What Jesus is telling them is, like, I love the disciples because I believe they give us great hope when we read the Bible, okay? I mean, this guy has predicted his death, his resurrection, done miracles. He is literally like getting sucked up into the sky. And they are still dropping the ball and their own personal agenda and bias is still getting in the way. Which tells me this. Oftentimes, the greatest hindrance to God's agenda in our life is our own. Oftentimes, the greatest hindrance to God's agenda for our life and in our life is our own. Because we want to know the details, we want to know the time and place, and the reality is, is that our broken sinful hearts, though they are being mended and made into the image of Jesus Christ, still have a bias to them. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way... That seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. That's a really important Bible verse to know. That means that there's something like, man, I just, I kind of got a gut feeling about this. You know, I just really think that we're supposed to, uh, and then we drive off a cliff, right? There is a way that seems right to us, that we feel it in our bones, but the reality is, is that end result is destruction. We have, listen, this is the difference, what I believe, in Christianity and why it sets itself apart from so many other religions. Is Christianity says this, I was lost, but now I'm found. Do you know what you're saying when you say that I was lost? You are saying, I can't save myself, I can't do it on my own, I have to have God's intervention. And that never, that never stops for us in our Christian walk. It continues every day of our life. So we continue to do what we were last told. We wait. We are aware of our personal bias. And then the last thing is this. We fill the gaps with trust. This is huge. This is a game changer. Look at what it says in Acts. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want you to notice this language. You will when you will be. These are all future tense. This hasn't happened yet. So Jesus has made a promise to the disciples and said, you are in a season of transition. I'm no longer going to be with you anymore holding your hand right by your side. The promise of the Holy Spirit is going to come. But there is a gap. There is a gap there. And in the gap is where the insecurities and the fear and the what-ifs and everything tends to grow. 
and they want to know the details. Many of us are like the disciples. We're fine, and I can trust you, Lord. If you just, um, before I take this step of obedience, if you could let me know how this is going to go, how they're going to respond, that would be fantastic, and then I'm willing to follow you anywhere, Lord. Anywhere, right? Um, what about this? What if we were content with what God has revealed rather than being consumed with what he has concealed. What if we were content in our lives with what God has given us now, rather than being consumed with what we don't have yet? I'm reminded of the great poet John Lennon when he said, life is what happens to you when you are busy making other plans. Oftentimes we get a tunnel vision and we become consumed with what God has concealed in his will in our lives. But what if we were just content? I heard another pastor say it this way. Rather than lusting for different circumstances and soil, what if you were content to bloom right where you're at now? What if the house is good enough in this season? What if this job in this season right now God has given me, what if we were content in those things? And then the sentence is this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I had a conversation with another pastor and he told me a statement that just sort of rocked my world. I've had conversations with friends about this. Because here's what I think um, a lot of us do. And I'm chief among us in this. When a new transition and a season is on the horizon, what I tend to do, and you're probably way more spiritual than me, is I tend to drag past baggage of past transitions into the current season. And I go, okay, I know how this relationship's going to go, and I know how this transition's going to happen, and I know what's going to happen here, because this is the narrative that's always happened in my life. But what if, what if, and here's the question today, how would my life look differently if in every situation and relationship I filled the gaps with trust? Or to say it this way, what if I gave people the benefit of the doubt? Or what if I trusted? And I know what you're saying, Pastor Jason, what I've gone through. And listen, I get it, all of that. But in that moment, in that moment of fear and uncertainty, that's where God wants to meet you. That's where God's going to show up. We always want the mountaintops. We always want fire down from heaven. We always want resurrection Sunday. But what if in the gaps and in the ordinary everyday moments of our life, Monday driving to work, we said to ourselves, what if today I filled the gaps with trust because I think that's the big idea and I think the big idea that I want you to know and understand today is simply this every transition is an invitation to trust God every transition so what if today your perspective changes 
And rather than the season that you're in of you thinking that it's an inconvenience, what if it's an invitation? What if what you're praying to God for, God, I need this, God, show me this, do all of this, what if he's working in you right now in the very things that you're resisting? What would it look like to be content with what God has given us now? And so in closing, I have a few application questions for us that will lead us and guide us. The first one is this. Where are you at right now in your life, in a season? Listen, you can't know where you're going until you know where you're at. It's very important to name a season of transition. Hey, right now I think I'm here. I think the relationships are here. I think this is here. The second question is this. What is the Spirit of God saying to you right now in this season? Just through discernment, through reading the Word of God, through godly, wise counsel, what's God saying to you? And then the last question is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? God wants to partner and work with you in this season. In closing, there is a very famous theologian and author by the name of Corey Ten Boom. And she has had a profound impact on my life. If you want to read a spiritual biography that will uplift your soul, read Corey Ten Boom's biography. But she had so much happen to her in her life, so many seasons of transition. This woman lived by faith, by faith. And she is very famous for saying this phrase, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Listen, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's okay because you're not God. And by the way, you would make a horrible God anyway, okay? You don't know what tomorrow holds. But as I've seen and read through the years, you know who holds tomorrow. So trust in that. Father God, we come before you right now. And I know that in this room that your spirit is working amongst us. God, there are seasons of transition. Not just change, not just the external, but God, internal changes that are taking place. God, I pray for those who feel like that they want to give up, that they don't give up. I feel like that they keep going. I feel like for those who maybe have let go and they've either slacked or their spirit has dropped from what you've last told them to do, I pray today that they would be energized, that they would say, nope, you know what? I'm continuing to do what he last told me to do, that whatever my hand finds to do, I will do it with all my might. I will work heartily as for unto the Lord. And God, I pray for those who want to make a quick decision, who are reacting rather than responding. I pray that through the power of your spirit, that they would simply wait, that through discernment and community, that you would bring wise counsel into their lives. And God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that we would acknowledge and confess that we have our own personal biases. Would you protect us from those? But God, what I pray for 
is I pray that each and every one of us would have a perspective change today. And we would actually start to think the best about people, about places, about transitions, about decisions, that you would transform our mind and renew it through your spirit and through your word. And that today, we would accept the invitation and that we would not see it as an inconvenience. God, we pray all of these things in the precious and in the mighty and in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand right where you're at? If you're a baptized father.